Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone today with Brian Smith. Hi, Brian. How are you? Good, Kathy. How are you doing today? Great, great. Uh, a fellow Buckeye. I'm from Cincinnati originally, although oh, wow. I live in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I, I escaped Ohio. <laughs> I've always wanted to escape Ohio, but I've never gotten out. Well, I lived in Kentucky for 10 years. Oh, my goodness. What part? Lexington. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, so, that's I'm in Cincinnati now. I, I grew up in Columbus, but I'm in Cincinnati now. Yeah. So, well, I lived in um, High Park, Mount Out, um, Mount Lookout area, Grand Yeah. Up. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't get back there much because I, well, I still have relatives. But anyway, the reason that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm so excited to introduce everyone here to Brian today is he's a certified grief educator, a life purpose coach, a positive intelligence coach. He's done so much work with his Grief to Growth Foundation and his podcast and his YouTube channel. And he also is on, um, he's on the board of Helping Parents Heal and the Soul Phone Foundation. So I'm so excited to introduce him and his work um, to you as a resource because during these changing times, everyone is going through some sort of grief of change or grief of um, loss of maybe opportunity or perspective that they de they definitely could use someone to walk them by the hand through all these changes with ease. So how, what do you say to that, Brian? How, do you want to tell them a little bit about your story so that they know how this all started for you, how you went from being in a regular business environment to doing this work? Sure. Well, briefly, starting from the, the big event that triggered the, the big change for me was when my daughter passed away in 2015. She was 15 years old. Uh, her name is Shana Elaine. Um, so that was eight years ago at this point. And I, at the time, I had had a long career in, in computer sales and um, I had a career, uh, my wife and I owned a hair care store. So we sell hair, skincare supplies online. Been doing that for, for several years. And that put the girls through, you know, through school and everything we did for about 20 years, as I said. And then when Shana passed away, um, it really made me realize, okay, there's something else for me to do. And th there was literally a week after she passed, I was like, I just felt like compelled to start a blog. So I just started a blog to just kind of blog my my grief journey. I didn't expect anybody to ever read it. And uh, from there, I found an organization called Helping Parents Heal, who I work with to this day. I'm on the board with Helping Parents Heal. And then about four years ago, a friend of mine, through, this is a whole series of synchronicities, but a friend of mine said, you should take this class in life coaching. And I'm like, why would I do that? I've never expressed any desire to be a life coach. I generally know what life coaches did. But I took the class and then I realized, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I worked with many parents at that point who had lost children through volunteering with Helping Parents Heal and said, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I became a certified grief educator and kind of formalized that. And that's what I do now is I, I help people to reframe the loss, to try to recover from the loss, to find joy again in their life. And as you said earlier, which was very, I think, very wise, we think of grief, we think of the loss of a person a lot of times. We think, we, you know, losing a person, we associate with that with grief. 
but you know, I started my business right before COVID, and COVID, we we all spent had a lot of grief around that loss of freedom, loss of job opportunities, loss of a lot of different things that we went through at that point. And so, and we're going through big political turmoil now. So people are feeling, you know, upset about that. So I, you know, I help people with all that type of loss, any type of loss that they're going through. Well, so, so your experience with losing your daughter, your, that's one of the things I love about almost everyone I've met in the near death and the spiritually awakened, um, spiritually transformative groups, um, experiencers, is that they're, they somehow come out of these experiences, seeing them almost with hindsight. In hindsight, usually when something bad happens, it takes you years to see the good in it. But mm-hmm. what happens, do, do you agree with, with um, part of this is, this gave you a U-turn maybe, but it, it gave you a way to really serve humanity in a big way during times of extreme turmoil. I mean, there isn't anything that isn't polarity subject almost. You almost, you don't want to hardly say anything to anybody. But if you go to the love space, that um, zero point space, mm-hmm. you can speak about everything. So wh- how... As far as the grief um, experience, this since you have eight years of this, how would you say that you're seeing this time period as far as people evolving to a new understanding of grief or being able to process it faster? Are you seeing that? I think so. I think that um, our lives, I believe our lives are kind of set up. So I gave a very brief version of my story. Um, but I, I had a big fear of death for a long time before my daughter passed, which actually forced me to study about it. So by the time Shana passed away, I had a pretty good understanding of the afterlife and what was going on there. Um, and I think that in the way that I was set up, I think that Grief can help us to grow. It can help us to change. It can be a catalyst for change. It doesn't have to be, but it's our choice. It's our choice of how, how we deal with it. But I'm seeing a lot of people now with everything we're going through, they're like losing trust in traditional science and traditional medicine and traditional religion and a lot of traditional things. And they're turning within and they're looking more at spirituality. So I think that this the events that we're going through can be a catalyst for us as mankind to make a shift. I know a lot of people believe that we're about to make a shift to a higher level. And I would love to believe that too. Yes, yes. Um, I love I love that. I, that's what my hope is, is that this contrast of that we're going through that is a, a wake-up call to be empowered and not a victim of your circumstances um, is, is what the the uh, this whole play is about who know who knows we'll find out later but yeah. so so you're um you've been on the board of helping parents heal and i'd love a little bit of information about that i've never had anyone talk about that on conscious business zone and a lot of people um either if they're a servant leader they've had employees that have lost children or mm-hmm. lost close family mm-hmm. and um so a lot of the the same 
processes or um, stages of grief that you would go through and help in helping parents heal would probably be applicable for those people who have even lost a parent they were very close to, right? Sure. You know, all loss is individual and also somewhat universal. So we go through some things that are similar, but it's all it's all different. Helping parents heal, we specialize in helping parents who have lost children because arguably, and I was very careful when I compare losses because they're all, again, they're all individualized, but when a parent loses a child, it's it's considered out of order. And it's, it's usually shocking for a parent and a parent can feel a special sense of responsibility and guilt and things of that nature. So when you come together with an organization, it's about, it's over 20,000 members at this point. I've lost track, but it's it's a huge international organization. And when you come together with those people, you have an instant bond and you and you don't feel so alone in that because we always feel like, okay, I'm the only one. That's, we know intellectually we're not the only ones experience it, but we kind of feel like nobody can really understand. So we had our second conference uh, last year in 2022 in Phoenix and being around, you know, nearly a thousand parents who shared this experience, um, it's just the energy at that conference is just off the charts. Um, and this is the second one we've had, and it's amazing because the hotel staff is like, who are those people? They're so joyous, they're so happy. And these are people who have, who have lost our children, but it's because we have that that bigger perspective. So I, the, the mission of Helping Parents Heal, when I discovered it, it was about a year after Shane had passed. And at that point, I really had no hope of recovering. I mean, I really, literally, it's like, I, just, I if I hang on, that'll be okay. But I'm never going to feel joy again. I'm never going to feel a sense of purpose or a sense of peace. And through helping parents heal and the things I've gone through, I've been able to say, yeah, I, I do feel joy again. I do feel a sense of peace. I do feel I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission with my daughter. Uh, it's no accident my daughter's picture is behind me. Yeah. Because when I do my work, Shana is with me. She's the reason why I do what I do. So th they actually helped me to reframe the whole situation that I'm in. Fantastic. Well, um, so the other question I have is about um, your uh, the the relationship you have with the rest of your family. You have another daughter, and you have a wife, mm -hmm. and how has has the work that you've done? Have you been able to coach them or are they part of what you're doing so that they benefit and get the the, the understanding as well? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I actually teach something called positive intelligence or mental fitness as well. And uh -huh. uh, the first two people I took through it were my wife and my daughter. Um, so they've been through that training with me. Uh, my daughter, Kayla, is 26 now. She went wow. to the Helping Parents Heal Conference with us last year and participated as a sibling. She introduced me when I gave my talk. So I was very, very proud of her because she's a very shy, reserved person, but she got up on stage and she introduced me. Uh, I'm going to the IONS conference next week. My wife and daughter are going with me you know, to the IONS conference. So yeah, it's become kind of a family, not kind of, it is, it's a family affair. Um, Shana is, you know, she's the one in spirit. She's kind of driving everything. But my daughter, Kayla, she works with children, especially she's a mental health counselor. Um, so she she likes to be to help people. And my wife's been really involved as well. That's so cool. I worked with an artist uh, for four years very closely that had lost her younger sister to leukemia. 
And she would say she she did a lot of work to um, do uh, art and uh, other expression to process her grief, but mm -hmm. her parents never did. And they just didn't know what to do. So yeah. having um, these tools and these groups and um, actually the conversation, the processing without um, without any stigma is mm -hmm. really important because I, I watched her um, have such a difficult time. Her parents couldn't they couldn't process it. They yeah. just didn't have it. And they're um, probably in their 70s, 80s now, maybe even older now. So, right. so yeah, so I, it, this is such a wonderful thing that um, that you're doing. Do you find that you're doing coaching outside of the uh, grief to growth um, coaching as far as um, uh, parents of of People, parents that have lost children are you doing executive coaching also with your your other work i haven't done really any executive coaching i've done coaching for people that are uh, with small businesses because i've owned a small business for a long time so i am i am a certified life coach as well so i work with people in general life coaching things which could be anything from finances to relationships to social or, or whatever whatever things they're going through in life in general so I do I do that as well. Um, most of my clients do come to me because of grief, because of the, the circles that I kind of run in. But I've had other clients as well that are just going through, you know, all the challenges we all go through in life. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I just wondered if uh, if the toolkit that you've created that um, that you use, I assume it's available for anyone because all of us. I think in this time, since the lockdown, have had a lot of chances to think about our trauma and our worldview and right. to decide whether, as Einstein said, is this a safe universe or an unsafe universe and pick which one we want to use as our operating procedure. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I do teach, um, as it's, it's called positive intelligence or mental fitness training, and that can apply literally to anybody. Uh, I, I when it comes to people in grief, it helps us to lock in that that positive perspective, that worldview. But when it comes to people in the corporate world, a lot of people in the corporate world are really involved with positive intelligence because it also helps to make us more productive and more efficient, help us helps us improve our relationships, really understanding ourselves and why it is we self-sabotage and how we can get around doing that. So I teach that as well. And what I do, everybody is everybody's different. So everybody gets a different mix of, of what they need in terms of bringing these principles together to try to make a holistic whole to help people to navigate life. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I imagine um, I'm seeing a lot of the executive coaches or coaches in general using other tools. I'm seeing people do astrology, human design, yeah. um, the gene codes. Uh, in fact, today I was talking to someone about it and um, they're and or doing charts with both partners to see. So there's there seems to be an expansive way of working with relationship that's different than mm -hmm. than I would say. Um, I, I got out of the corporate world 20 years ago and um, it's it was lip service then. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, my wife and I, it's interesting. We've been involved in stuff like this. I mean, I'm trying to remember how many years ago we taught premarital counseling at church. Oh. So, you know, we had tools with that to help people different love language and stuff. So there are there are a whole variety of tools that we can bring together. Uh, and they they do overlap and they intersect. And and, and like I said, everybody gets a little bit different as to what works for them or not. And after having done this for like the last four or five years ago, so I'm kind of refining my tool set as I go along. Um, and, you know, the fact that I'm pretty old, so I've, I've been around a long time, you know, raised a couple of children and been married and had several jobs and different careers. So I bring all that experience as well. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I think that's um, what people are looking for now is to have a balance in mm -hmm. their lives and relationship really becomes relationship with self and other. And right. that that um, I think is what's beneficial out of what we've just gone through with the time where you really were, if you were homebound, you were homebound in, <laughs> in community. And right. um, I don't know what the, what the statistics will show, probably a lot more babies, but I don't know if it'll show about divorces either. So, yeah. so, so do you find that, um, that, you do get to go deep like that with people with um with your your counseling where where it's you first let them explain their um situation but that you get them to really um unveil and and really get to the root of things yeah i do and it's very interesting because i uh i was just thinking just in the last few weeks i've had a couple of long-term clients and I remember just one guy specifically was like, well, I'm having this issue with my wife. I know this isn't our grief thing that we're working on, but am I allowed to talk to you about this? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Anything that's going on with, in your life. And then I was talking with another client, you know, recently, again, someone that came to me for grief, having an issue with the person in her life, a, a relationship. And one of my advice on like, how do I handle this? So we do, we, we start off maybe on a particular thing. It might be about grief. It might be about whatever. But then we we roll into whatever else is going on in their lives because they, these things all, you know, they interrelate. And, um, you know, as I said, I've been around for a while, so I have, I've got some perspectives on, on relationships and stuff. So they find that after a while, we start talking about, you know, everything else that's going on in their lives, their children, their spouse, you know, et cetera. That's perfect. I, I think that's so, so helpful. Um, it, again, because of the balance, um, if you've been in corporate America, um, which you and I both have, mm -hmm. that is very rarely in balance. <laughs> yeah. Rarely. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I was, I worked, well, I, I don't know if I mentioned before, I worked for Columbia Gas right out of school. I worked for IBM. I've worked for Sun Microsystems. So I worked for big corporations. I worked for small companies. And I've also been a small business owner or an entrepreneur. So I've run the whole gamut of, of what those things are. Yeah, I worked, um, I did a stint with IBM and Arthur Anderson and mm -hmm. yeah, so I get it. I get it. And, yeah. and I'm so glad I worked for myself. <laughs> I, yeah. I I really was, um, I I didn't want to join the army. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so what I'd love to also hear about is the soul phone which I know, I think we talked about it a couple of years ago when mm -hmm. we talked um, because it was in production. I, but I, I know almost nothing about it. So you could share as much as you want 
um, with us um, about it because I think it's a miracle of technology. I, I think the idea that that we can um, validate that there is uh, existence past this physical existence by mm -hmm. by using a, a tool um, is remarkable. So could you share with the audience what this is and and how what your experience is with it? Sure. Well, um, as far as a cell phone goes, for people that don't know, the, the idea, the goal is to have a device where we can communicate with people in the afterlife. And the, and the phrase soul phone kind of implies it'll be voice and we'll be able to talk like we do on a cell phone today. Uh, it's being this research is being headed up by Dr. Gary Schwartz at Arizona State University. I, yeah, Arizona State University, University of Arizona. I always get those two confused. But Gary Schwartz is, is heading it up. Um, and I am the vice president of the Soul Phone Foundation, and our job is to help get the word out on the Soul Phone to raise funds, et cetera. Um, right now, it's still in development. It's still a, it's still a concept. There has been proof of concept and that we know that we can make connections. We've made connections with people on the other side. Uh, there's a team on the other side we call the A-team that's kind of leading the, the research. And then Gary, as I said, is, is leading it from this side, uh, along with a team of, of engineers. And what are, where we are now is we, we have basically a, a switch. We can get yes, no answers from the other side. Um, so it'll be, we hope to have it you know made publicly available in the next several months or so. Um, where we'll be ready to do demonstrations and stuff. But there have been, you know, there's been some research published on it. There's there's a little bit out there about it. The thing is, we have known for many, many years that this other side communicates us in many ways. And since we've had electronics, we've realized that they often communicate through electronics. And there's a lot of anecdotal things where they'll communicate through cell phones, through WhatsApp. Um, there's someone doing research. Her name is Sonia Rinaldi, and she's doing pretty amazing things. The difference between the cell phone and some of these other things is this is specific technology designed to communicate to the other side. And the goal is to make it as, as fast and reliable as your cell phone is today. Uh, right now, when we get communication on the other side, it's very intermittent. It's it's hit or miss. There's some there seems to be like the person here seems to have need to have some sort of like a almost a physical medium. I have I have a great friend who communicates very freely with the other side. Through normal technology but he's a physical medium so the idea is for to have this technology that will actually allow us to do that on a really easy basis and be available to anybody so that's the goal we're we're really confident we're going to be able to get there and it'll be pretty soon oh okay so um pretty soon what do what are you <laughs> i bet you've said that many times um what does that mean well you know this year? Um, I don't know. It's whenever, whenever Gary and the team deems it's ready to oh. face the scrutiny that it's going to face. Um, we, frankly, there were a couple of years ago. We thought, let's go ahead and demonstrate it now, and we thought we could do a lot better, and and it has gotten a lot better. So I, I'm not at liberty to say when we think it's going okay. to be, okay. but I could say that when it does come out, it's going to face a lot of scrutiny, and so we need to be prepared to be able to to react to all that. Um, you know, there was, there was a movie made out, uh, I think it was called The Discovery, with Robert Redford a few years ago, where the, there was a movie, it was a fictional, but someone came out with a device to communicate to the other side. There And the movie pointed out a lot of unforeseen, maybe, pitfalls um, that people might, you know, people might object to it. 
So uh, we want to have all the I's dotted and the T's crossed before before we actually start rolling out demonstrations. So yes. all I can say right now is we hope it's going to be soon, and I can't say exactly when that's going to be. Uh, well, I, I think it's fascinating. Um, I had a, a delightful healer that I used to work with who was a real estate lawyer um, during the day and a healer, amazing healer at night. Mm -hmm. And he passed suddenly from prostate cancer. They thought mm -hmm. they had it. And then all of a sudden they didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, his he communicates with his wife by electronics throughout the house um mm -hmm. there's no question he's hanging around and talking to her um yeah. and um and and she loves it i mean and it is through electronics then you mentioned sonia rinaldi's work which is quite remarkable where she can get images and then she has a device even though it's not in english um i guess some of the information has come through in english but it's where there's a machine that has different syllables um that mm -hmm. like a ouija board only audio right, right. that's uh being from the other side can put together to right. put, to come up is that similar to what the software um, does it's actually not there's so that's edp electronic voice phenomenon uh, right. which is a form of itc instrumental instrumental transcommunication which we've been doing for years there's a great documentary called calling earth if anybody wants to look it up it's on vimeo i think it's fascinating there's a lot of We've been doing this for a long time. Again, the difference between that and the soul phone, the soul phone, it will be technology specifically designed for communication with the other side. Um, EVP, frankly, I've had several people do EVP things for me. And my experience has been, and there's A, B, and C levels of, e, of EVP communications. Most of it's C, which is like someone that's trained to say, oh, yeah, I hear this. Oh. B is like, you know, an average person like you and I would say, yeah, I, I think I hear this. And A is like, it's very clear. And the A's are fairly rare. Um, but that, the intent with the soul phone is it's going to be clear. You'll you'll know when you ask a question and you get an answer that it's a clear answer. Right. Well, um, you already obviously are in contact with your daughter. Um, I mm -hmm. don't know. Do you have relationships like that with other family members that have passed grandparents or I don't know if your parents are still around um do you have other relationships with other beings I mean besides her no it's 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 mainly with my daughter you know it's it's interesting like my grand my my parents are still here they're in their my mother's my mother's 85 um yeah. or she'll be 86 very soon um so my parents are still on this side my grandparents you know passed quite a while ago um, there's certain times when people pass in your life, you feel like I just have to make that connection. And when it's your 15 year old daughter, it kind of makes it, or it makes it urgent. So I always say to people, when it comes to spirit, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. So with my grandmother, it's like, okay, when she passed and I was in my twenties, it was like, I'll see her again. She's, she's in heaven. That's fine. When it was my daughter, it's like, okay, no, I need to know. I need to know now. So that relationship is, is a lot more urgent and a lot more, you know, driving force and that's when i started believing in soul planning and all that kind of stuff it wasn't until shana passed that i even understood before i even knew these things existed so how does your um I, you mentioned church um how did has your relationship with traditional religion changed during all of this did you have to um did you have to 
change the way you saw things? Were you angry at God? I mean, there's so many emotions that come through. Sure. I, well, I grew up in the church that my grandfather was actually the pastor of. It was wow. a Pentecostal church. Um, <laughs> wow. But I was I was a weird little kid because yeah, they sure. taught fire and brimstone. They taught, you know, the rapture, heaven and hell, you know, saved and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people, like, it just goes right over their head. You know, it, it washes off their back, like, you know, water off a duck's back. For me, it wasn't. It really upset me. That's why I had an intense fear of death when I was a child. Oh. Um, and that's why I started studying death when I was in my early 20s. Um, by the time I was in my early thirties or forties, I had moved away from the traditional Pentecostal religion into something called Christian universalism, which is a belief that Jesus blood saves everybody. And then I kind of moved beyond that to understand that God doesn't judge anybody anyway, and doesn't need a sacrifice. Um, so by the time Shana passed, I was pretty much past all that. We were going to church some, and I've been to, there are a couple of churches I still really like. I like the United Church of Christ. Yep. I like Unity Church. So when people say, you know, I want to go to church, I'm like, those are two great churches. I think those are two great ch churches to go to. But they were not in my world when I was a ch when I was younger. So um, I still, I, I know the Bible inside and out. I've read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, so it's really funny when fundamentalists want to argue with me, I'm, I'm, <laughs> ready to go with them when they say the Bible doesn't teach reincarnation or the Bible says you shouldn't talk to mediums. You know, I, I'm ready to have that conversation. Okay. Uh, I believe there's a lot of good in the Bible. Um, my, one of my ancestors is Thomas Jefferson. And he was famously said, you know, you have to separate the diamonds from the dung. And he actually took like the new Testament and he cut out the parts that he thought weren't not true. And he created well, the Jefferson Bible. And so I think we have to read the Bible. We have to understand what we're reading. We have to read it critically. We have to understand it's not all meant to be taken literal. Um, and I am I'm I'm not a an opposed to religion at all anymore. I'm just not a religious person at this point. Yeah. So well, there's a difference between spirituality and religion anyway. I mean, um uh, it's a uh you you have a personal relationship with God and with the other side instead mm -hmm. of going through an intermediary. That that's the way I look at it. Yeah, there. You know, it's it's interesting in the in, in some of the churches that's kind of become a cliche. They're like, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. But it, they're still religious people. They're still using the Bible as as a as a battering ram, and they're right. still taking it literally. Well, and again, you know, if it works for people, then that's fine. I don't want to take it away from them. But when they come to me and tell me, you can't see meet him meet him because the Bible says you can't. Or the Bible says that reincarnation is not true, or, or all these dogmatic things. That's when I have a problem with it, or when they tell me that someone who took their own life is eternally suffering, or someone who's gay, you know, can never get into heaven. That's when I start to have a problem with it. Right, right. So tell me about reincarnation in the Bible, because I used to have a book that was put out by Yogi Press from 1905 called "Reincarnation and the Law of Karma." And mm. it was part of, I, I have a series of blue books here in the books book uh, thing there, mm -hmm. bookshelf. And um, I lent it to somebody and never got it back and never seen it again. But the book was about that reincarnation was in early Christianity mm -hmm. until the divine right of kings happened. And that that kind of precluded if it was divine right going to the sun that the the father couldn't have already reincarnated 
either that or he'd have to be a walk-in, which mm. that definitely wasn't in. And so yeah. they took it out of the Bible. Um, and uh, I read that because um, I my father was the youngest of eight and his parents died in their uh, late 50s. Mm. Um, so I and and his siblings out of eight kids, I just was growing up and uncle so-and-so's dead and that person's dead and it, they were just knocking off. So I was trying to understand it all. Mm -hmm. um, and I never met my grandparents from that side because mm -hmm. uh, they went so young. So um, so tell me about reincarnation in the Bible. Well, I my belief is that it, they did try to remove uh, references to reincarnation from the Bible, but they didn't get all of them. So first thing I say to people is, you know, the Bible is a great book, but it was written by men from men's perspective. And there's a lot of political stuff going on. So once you understand the way the Bible was created over a period of time by many different men by different different persuasions with different motivations and it wasn't like written by the hand of god on golden tablets that's the first thing we need to understand <laughs> the other thing is there are a couple of references in the bible i think where they missed one very clear one is when jesus they bring a blind man to him and they say who sinned that this man would be born blind was it him or his parents well if you think about this logically how could he have sinned before he was born the implicate he was born blind and the disciples are asking who sinned, he or his parents, which implies not only reincarnation, but probably karma because, and, and Jesus did not correct them. He didn't say, he said it was, it was for God's glory, but he didn't say, you know, it wasn't possible. The other time, there's a time when Jesus asked who the people say that I am. And some say, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're et cetera. Well, how could it be Elijah when Elijah had died thousands of years ago? Right. And then some people were asking about John the Baptist, and Jesus said, John the Baptist is Elijah. So there are a few indications in the New Testament and in Jesus' own words that do point to the idea of reincarnation. Some people will point to things like a verse that says it's appointed to man to die once, and then there's the judgment, which is a, a specific verse, but it doesn't preclude reincarnation as, as we understand it, which can get very, very complicated. I don't think it's a one-to-one -one thing where it's like I, I, Brian, come back and I'm somebody else. It's more like there's an oversoul that that has different incarnations. So it, I could go on and on about that. But um, near-death experience, I go like, okay, the Bible is great, but let's also look at experience. So near-death experiences tell us almost universally that reincarnation is absolutely true. We look at child prodigies, children that come in and can do math at a high level or or you sit them in front of a piano and they start playing like Mozart at the age of three or work done by Ian Stevenson and Jim Tucker at the University of Virginia. These children have these memories of past lives that have been verified. It's like I was an actor when I was in my previous life and I was 53 years old when I died and I was married to this woman and I was, you know, in this film and there's this is a particular kid that said this and they checked it all out. It was true. And there's hundreds of these stories. So there's a lot of indication around us that reincarnation is true. I tend to believe that it is, but maybe not in the way that we understand it. Right. Well, um, and and um, that's also the story. The next question is about like quantum realities. When mm -hmm. there's multiple timelines that are possible, a lot of people talk about um, there's a timeline where your daughter didn't pay us that you're having that whole experience as well as the one you're having now. So, mm -hmm. I mean, who knows how it all works? It's almost mind boggling to mm -hmm. 
to go there. But what we do know is that if we're in service to ourselves and others, if we learn how to be in love with life, there there's a lot of um, people showing up fearlessly that have had these traumatic experiences and uh, they're heroes, they're sheroes. They're, they push through what people would say are the, some of the most difficult things in the world to do and and um, left a legacy in a lot of cases you mm-hmm. a lot of the biographies you'll you'll read of famous people almost all of them had tremendous adversity that they pushed through mm-hmm. and um so so um i just wondered if if that was part of your 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 sense about grief to growth do you want to talk a little bit about why you chose that name for for your company sure well again it gets into like how do human beings grow and if we look at it we we do grow through adversity a lot of times and we we can see i think this world is a reflection of greater spiritual realities so just a real quick example is we go to the gym we work out we build our muscles we get stronger now not many people like going to the gym but we go to the gym or we do our exercises because we know that's going to make us stronger. Um, when we come here, I like to do thought experiments. If our lives were so easy, if nothing bad, no, nothing quote bad ever happened, if everything was just the way we always wished it would be, if everything just turned out the way we wanted to turn out, first of all, it would be like a, a dream. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't seem like reality. Uh, and it's interesting because in the Matrix, every time they made it too perfect in the movie, people rejected it. We seem to need to have something to push back against. So growth, grief can be a growth opportunity. And I'm, I'm always very careful when I say this because it's not necessarily something you grow from. People can choose. And I've seen people choose to stay stuck in their grief. Oh. And that's a choice that we can make. But the people that come to me are people that say, I want to transmute this. I want to take this terrible thing and I want to overcome it. And not only overcome it, I want to make it into something. And I interviewed a woman for my podcast very recently, and I get goosebumps when I ever think of her saying this. She went through being abused by her father, uh, physically abused. She was sexually abused by her great uncle, gone through trauma as a child, just like almost unimaginable. And she was giving me this, she gave this image of like, I took what you gave me to like her God or higher power, whatever. And I turned it into this and she presents it back to, to her higher self or to God. And I just thought that was such a beautiful image. And I think that's what human beings do. We, we can take the worst and we can, we can internalize it. We can work with it and we can turn it into something beautiful. And this woman's out now serving, she's writing books, she's talking to people and she's inspiring people. And I've interviewed hundreds of people that have done that. Um, And it's so, I think that's uh that's the secret to being human. It's taking that grief. It doesn't have to be the loss of a person. It could be disappointment. It could be disease. It could be whatever. Whatever we feel like is an obstacle to what we want. And how do we turn that into something that's that's great? Perfect, 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 perfect. Because we're all, I think we're all um, getting a chance to see and decide how we want to show up. Mm-hmm. And this is a big part of it because you can be stuck in your story or you can be part of the solution and um the, as as we've said and but but i think the opportunities that you're offering 
of um, a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at grief and the processes that you've created to help. Um, and then eventually the soul phone are, are going to really make a difference. Um, I went to a IONS event in Boulder, Colorado, where a lady spoke who was a medium and she had gone to the fancy schools in England and everything to get mm -hmm. get get her degree. And she was told by whatever school that was, I didn't recognize the name, so I didn't remember it, but whatever school she went to, that that there was a call to go out to get as many mediums trained as possible right now. And this was mm -hmm. at the beginning of this year mm -hmm. um, because there was going to be a lot of people leaving and there was going to be a need for people to connect with mm -hmm. their loved ones on the other side. So it, they were told, get your training programs together and go out there and train as many people as possible. And I think that that's the world we're living in. It isn't just the baby boomers or or a certain age group of people. We're now seeing that um, that it may just be their soul. It, it, that's what they they decided they were only going to come for a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. and that's what they, that what they could do. But th there's going to be a need for what you're doing. Um, whether it's a grief of loss of a business or family member or anything, a pet, sure. I imagine, could be, if that's their sole companion, yeah. um, that could be the same thing. Um, when when I was at IONS last year in, um, in uh, Salt Lake City, I sat next to a woman who had just lost her son i didn't realize it but she came up to me in the bookstore this was full of synchronicities she came up to me in the bookstore and asked me she gave me her program and said where should i go i've never been to one of these so i just went you know checked all the people i liked mm -hmm. and um she ended up sitting next to me at lunch and one of the people she went to see was someone i got to introduce which is carolyn chang and Caroline Chang has a son that she was in the uh, the Sonia Rinaldi documentary mm -hmm. about because her son left at 29 years old. And um, anyway, this woman saw in Caroline Chang's presentation that Suzanne Giesemann, the medium, had helped her on on uh, his birth, her son's birthday. Mm -hmm. anniversary of a birthday and so this woman that was sitting next to me saw that and then bought a ticket to sit at the speaker table with Suzanne and she's sitting right next to me and she's shaking and it's like how are you having a good time yeah 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 so and I I basically Suzanne out after the lunch took this woman aside and helped her mm -hmm. and she had said to me later and and just full beamed out because the guilt that her son had committed suicide mm -hmm. and i didn't know that at the time i didn't know anything about her i just was being a nice person trying to help um but afterwards i heard the whole story and um it's so healing for there was no question that suzanne was able to connect them and um the healing and of course the my friend my new friend uh, recorded mm -hmm. it all 
and um, and was able to heal her husband as well. But she had brought up that she wasn't sure to go to helping parents heal because she didn't know if she could take hearing the other stories. Mm. And so that that was something that I didn't know anything about helping parents heal. Um, the IONS event that you and I are going to be at um, the, a week from now mm -hmm. uh, is in uh, D.C. in Virginia. And it is going to be about um, not just near-death experiencers, but it's also spiritually transformative experiencers. And... Um, and you get to do a workshop. Do you want to talk a little bit about your workshop? Sure. Well, actually, I'm actually speaking on Thursday night and I'm doing the workshop. Oh, yeah, on that's Friday. right. Yeah. So the workshop is going to be about positive intelligence or the mental fitness I talked about earlier. So I'm going to help people understand how do we, you know, how do we take all these lessons from the near-death experience and all the things that you and I believe? And how do we keep that positive mindset in a world that's so materialistic that's telling us that um that it's not true that that it's just wishful thinking that you need to let go of this um so what when positive intelligence just really quickly give you a brief preview we all know we self-sabotage we all know that we have these voices in our head that say this is too good to be true or this is not going to happen for you or whatever and so how do we identify those voices how do we shift to that what we call the sage perspective that that higher level perspective that higher soul perspective and it's, it's what I do with clients all the time. It's like, how do we make that shift, right? You, you my clients will say, okay, I know pretty much what you're telling me, Brian. I know that I should believe my son is still communicating. I know I should still believe he's alive, but I need to hear you tell me again. I need to hear you tell me why I should believe that. And this is about being able to make that shift on your own, be able to identify, okay, I'm not having a positive, helpful thought here. What is the positive thought I should be having? And how do I, how do I shift to that? So I'll be talking about that on on Friday. On Thursday, I'll be sharing my story, kind of, kind of like I'm sharing with you now, about how I made that shift in my life in a more broad and a more permanent way, uh, going from a very, very dark place when my daughter first passed uh, for the first two or three years to, okay, now people are like, you know, I'm, I'm helping people. So I, I, I really enjoy being able to do that. And understanding, I think you mentioned this earlier, you know, Einstein is the universe a safe place or not a safe place. For most of my life, I didn't believe the universe was a safe place. Now I know that nothing truly bad can ever happen to us. There are things that appear to be bad, and they may be bad for a while, but everything turns out in the end. We kind of know the end of the story. We know that we all end up happy, healthy, and safe back home eventually. It's just a matter of what kind of a trip do we take to get there. <laughs> And and whether or not we project all of our stuff on every other character in our play, or whether we go, okay, I'm the variable that's that's always in the middle of all this. Where right. where does it come here? Well, it sounds like your process, um, the positive process would be great in corporations all over the place because I think the cynicism that's in our society, I don't know if it's worldwide, but certainly in the U.S., mm -hmm. is um, is at an all-time high. Well, that's my perspective. I don't know if it is. I don't know any statistics about it. But, but the perspective that I see where people, you know, they listen to the news, which I don't. I get my news on Facebook. 
Um, but, <laughs> but I don't listen to the TV. Um, and that's how I keep positive. But, mm -hmm. but the, the, the opportunity to see life through the can do, um, and what it, what's the best case scenario mm -hmm. for everything. That's a whole different perspective. Yeah, well, it's interesting, and I'm always I have to be careful when I say this. I hear a lot of people say to me, "The way I say positive is I don't watch the news. I watch the news a lot. You do, but I just look at it from a different perspective. So I'm like, what is the lesson I'm supposed to learn here? And I, as I look at particular politicians that drive me crazy, or anybody in your life, that person who's just really gets on your nerves, maybe they're there to teach you something. Because I believe everyone comes into our life to teach us something. And when I want to get upset about like the pandemic or nuclear war or all that stuff, again, I just shift perspective. It's like, this is all, this is all a play. This is all the matrix. This is all temporary. I'm not going to be here in another 50 years, no matter what happens. So whether it's tomorrow or it's 50 years from now, it doesn't make any difference from the perspective of my soul. So when we can start to look at the world around us as a kind of a lucid dream, we can wake up in the dream. Mm -hmm. I, I I watch the news and I'm like, yes, I get mad sometimes. I yell at the TV. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, I'm like, this is stupid. This is crazy. Why are we doing this? Yeah. But then I'm like, maybe we're all here to learn something. And I and I look at people and I, I try to see them with compassion. Like that person that drives me crazy, they're a child of God. They're just just like I am. Their soul is perfect, just like my soul is perfect. Maybe they're actually an advanced being. Maybe they're here playing a role to teach me a lesson. Exactly. So it becomes more more fun, more interesting. Right. And you can't really see something in another if you don't have it yourself. So that's yeah. where it's like you, 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 you just have to they this this is going back this way. <laughs> right, right. Right. Or right. these are anyway. So right. yeah, I think I think that's the lesson about all of this is um what's the gift in everything. And um, mm -hmm. when you're triggered, it's some work to do, either hokaponopono or some some prayer or um, meditation to clear mm -hmm. the mind, um, because we are that namaste um, saying is um, we really are all one, but yes. we forgot, we forgot, yeah. and and it and consciousness wanted to expand and experience, so mm -hmm. that's where the all the diversity of all the different races and religions and cultures came from, but, but hopefully we're creating a kinder uh, future. That's hopefully we'll stop being savages eventually. <laughs> right. I hope, I hope so. But mean, meanwhile, we're, we're learning, we're experiencing. Um, and it's interesting. You mentioned the gifts and that's one of the things we teach in positive intelligence. There's everything can be turned into a gift or an opportunity. And we have three different ways we look at things. So whenever anything happens to me, I'm like, what could be the gift in this? Could it be the gift of, have I learned something from this? Is this going to make me stronger? Or could this maybe inspire me to do something? So that makes you take the challenges we go through and say, where's the gift in this? What's what's the lesson in this? And again, if you start to believe from that perspective, like it's it's planned, there's some sort of, you know, how do, how do what's the good in this? How How is this benefiting me? And you can always find something, always find something in any circumstance if you look at it hard enough.
Right. Oh, that's so perfect. I I love that. And I think um, I want to recommend, I'm going to show the IONS, um, the IONS page real quick again, and then mm -hmm. uh, Brian will show your site too. Sure. Um, but I want to make sure that people that are watching this realize that if you can't come in physical to come to the event, that you can come virtually. It's very reasonably priced. You get access to all of these amazing speakers. Um, and I have one one's cooler than the next. There you are, right there. Yeah, there I am. Yeah. You you made the top. Um <laughs> well, uh, and I I do I do want to endorse come physically if you can. But yes. I couldn't make it last year or the year before, and I got the package, and it's awesome. I watched yes. I watched almost all the videos. You get access to the videos. Um, I I like to watch or listen when I was walking, so I go for a walk every morning. And uh, incredible, incredible speakers. So right, definitely come. And also, the other thing we want to mention is you can get a day pass. So if you can't make it for the whole time, yeah, you can single day it. right here. Yeah. Yeah. So so what I said, um, and I what we did is I'm a volunteer and I'm, I'm helping the exhibitors this year. Mm -hmm. um, last year I did that too. Um, and so what happens is I don't get to see a lot of the conference. So right. when I come back, I we have dinner in front uh, on TV tables and watch these recordings because they're about an hour long. It's perfect to watch. And yeah. um, it's so inspiring. Mainly what I want to recommend is if anyone is on a spiritual journey and wants to enrich their knowledge and their vocabulary, their use of the English language to explain these incredible um, multidimensional mystical aspects of life, um, the people that are speaking, they're either researchers or experiencers and their articulation, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, mm -hmm. I've had spiritually transformative experience, but and I still think of it every morning when I wake up. It's 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I and I didn't have the words. I didn't have I, I have the feeling. I know what it is. But the, going to one of these events is quite um, it's almost like it reignites that love that you feel from the other side, from from the void, um, from your who you really are. <laughs> um, right. And and um, when you're around 500 people that have had that experience and are trying their best to live it, it is remarkable. It is. And and the courage, it, it's so inspiring. I mean, hero after hero after hero story. It's just incredible what these people have done, um, it, pushing through their their because they know they don't have fear of death. They don't have fear of other. They don't have fear of judgment. They don't mm -hmm. have fear anymore. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've I've probably interviewed 50 or 60 people that have had near death experiences. Wow. I know I've listened to hundreds near-death experience interviews I, I can't get enough of it you know and i think kenneth ring was the one that called it the benign virus it's like people that have the experience they come back with a knowledge that you said that they, they don't fear death and all that stuff but just by studying it you can get a lot of the same benefits without having to go through the experience oh thank so, goodness <laughs> yeah yeah so i i love ions i i 
I attended the IANS meetings here locally in Cincinnati for a very long time, and they were very welcome to me. So I'm really glad to be associated with that organization. Yes. Well, um, and IANS stands for International Association for Near-Death Studies. I think mm -hmm. it's our 41st or 42nd year, and the association is filled with researchers as well as experiencers. And there are, in, in most of the groups and in this big conference, there will be an experiencer lounge to help people tell their story. When you yeah. hear these people that have told their story, but they hid it for 20 years because they thought it was drug-induced <laughs> um, disassociation, um, or they couldn't figure out how to process it in any way. Um, mm -hmm. And these people, once... Once you, you'll see people just can't help talking about it. I mean, yeah. at the IONS, you'll see people stop you in the hallway and have to tell you their story, even if it's the abbreviated version, yeah. but it's like it, it wants to, it wants to be processed. It wants to be celebrated mm -hmm. instead of shamed. And, right. and if they told their family about it and they, they, they weren't appreciated or they were told that. They were afraid they would be put away. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, people have been put away. So yeah. I, it's great. IANS is is allowing people to, to tell their stories. And when I started going to the meetings here locally, I, I noticed a lot of people come in very shy and would go around and people would share and people, I'm, I'm not ready to share yet because they've been holding on to the stories for years until they felt that they were in a safe place. And it's a safe place to share your experience. Right. Well, it's more than safe. It actually expands. It seems like people get a, a way to articulate their experience. Sure. That's what I was trying to say, because I love communication. So do you. And and what happens is that um, most of those experiences are in your heart, not in your head. Right. So it's hard to process it and come up with anything that comes close to the experience. Sure. But once you hear other people who have somehow managed to figure it out, like Peter Panagor and some of these people, there are uh, even um, uh, PMH Atwater, who's a researcher as well as an experiencer, when you hear their articulation, it is quite profoundly, um, it's almost visceral mm -hmm. the way that they present it, but it's still creating a, a common language to share right. so so it's it's remarkable it's so mm -hmm. cool so i want to make sure that everyone knows how to get a hold of you so i'm going to show your website now okay hopefully it'll work correctly and you can guide me like we talked before here we go okay so here's your grief to growth website Yes, it's my website. So I'm in the process of hopefully updating it a little bit, but uh, you can get a general feel for who I am and what I do. You can definitely contact me through the website. Um, I do offer a free guide. Um, it's four steps that I offer to people to go from grief to joy. Four simple things that you can do every day. You can just sign up for it there on the, at the top of my website. Uh, I do offer also a free 30-minute a free consultation if people want to talk to me. So I suggest go there, check it out, you know, find out who I am. I have some resources you can download for free, um, journaling notebook. You can see those right there. And I also have a couple of classes that that are available there. So 
lots of different ways to reach me. My podcast, of course, uh, is Grief to Growth, Grief the Number Two Growth. I've got, I don't know, 250 episodes or something, I think now. Is that uh, right? I'm not even sure. And it's a YouTube channel. Wonderful. Well, um, so is you you mentioned one of your podcasts. What is the most um profound story that you've heard that you can share that you're allowed to share or you feel comfortable sharing? Oh uh, well, you know, it's like asking who's which child of yours is the favorite. Um I, every well, I'm every, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, every episode is different. I've had some fascinating people. Um, but one of the, the, I remember one person put it very succinctly was a woman named Heidi Craig who had a near death experience and she had a, a rough life before that, but she said, you know, three things she learned. She said that everything is okay. Everything will be okay. And that you are loved more than you can ever know. And the way she put that in those three bullet points from her near death experience, it's like, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that. So whenever we're going through difficulties in life, you know, just remember that everything is okay at a certain at a certain level. At the human level, we might be going through difficulties, but it's going to be okay. And that's that's the experience people have the NDEs. I, I guess if I'd say my favorite episodes, they're they're like all the NDE episodes. They're all they're all different. They're all profound. They all just give you just incredible hope. There are lessons, and it's not just about the by and by. It's about the day to day life we live. You know, the things that, that we're planned, the things that we have guides that are with us, whether we feel like we have them or not. And so um, I, I love that that theme that runs through everything that I do. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that, um, uh, but I, I've done that before with people. <laughs> and I'm no, it's, surprised. It's, it's fine, but I'm like, you know, you mentioned Peter Panagore. I've had him on a couple of times. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I've had some really really incredible people in terms of ndes mark anthony is a fantastic medium i've had him because he is like one of the smartest people i know so like he explains mediumship scientifically which i don't know too many people that can do that so actually there's an episode that i just released with mark because we've done a couple uh where we talk about like how does mediumship work okay how does this how, do, how is this even possible cool. and he does a really good job of breaking that down that's so cool. Yeah, a lot of people can teach it, but he he he, had, uh, he wrote a book, The Afterlife Frequencies, right? And mm -hmm. and so he has a lot of science, and it and he also is is or was a lawyer. So he's yes. he's uh he's got a really amazing background to to give up being a lawyer to be a medium is truly amazing. What a neat yeah. guy. Yeah, there's yeah. so many people like that that I've met through IONS as a volunteer. This is my sixth year of wow. being a volunteer. Yeah, crazy, huh? And uh, <laughs> and uh, it it just gets better and better as more people realize that we're multidimensional beings and that we have a capacity to really be powerful and make a difference in the world right now. Mm -hmm. That's that's the key to all of it. So once again, um, want to um, give the, everyone your website and the best way to reach you, and then we'll we'll finish up. Sure. The website is grieftogrowth.com. It's grief numeral two growth.com. You can find everything there. Uh, it's, again, same for the YouTube channel and my podcast. Um, so you can you can contact me through the contact form there. I'd be happy to talk to anybody that wants to talk.
Yeah. Well, great. Well, I'm so excited to see you and your wife and your daughter in person. Yeah. I'll meet, you, week. I'll meet yeah. you face to face next week. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I, once you start going, you're, you're going to be a lifer like the rest of us. It's just that field of love and, um, and the, it's really the each person is so amazingly courageous. That's all I can mm -hmm. tell you is that it's it's something to to experience. Really, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please share this, and please go to Brian's site and find out how his work can help you. Um, there's so much need for this in the world, and so few people doing this kind of work. So thank you again, Brian, and uh, see you, everybody. Bye-bye.